Kiora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hello and welcome, Chris. Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Welcome, listeners, along. Now, for uh, for those listeners, you won't know we've been having terrible technical problems over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know why. We've had 20 weeks of excellent, excellent technology. And then uh, in the last week or so, things have uh, just all fallen apart. (laughs) They have, even though nothing's changed. It's an odd situation to be in, but hopefully, um, what this this is the the third attempt to record this individual podcast, so hopefully uh, we make it through. Yes, but thankfully everything gets better with age. Is that right? Say that again, sorry? Things get better with age? Oh, I hope so. Or practice practice makes perfect? One of those things. Um, And that is why we are number one in New Zealand. We are indeed the uh, number one podcast for all things geospatial um, in New Zealand and beyond, I guess. And beyond the world, the universe. We cover a lot of topics. Uh, Even universes that... Or galaxies that don't exist as well. Maybe they do. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I'm uh, I'm Chris Morris, a long-time purveyor of GIS, and this week I've been mostly a, a wearographer. Um, making, so uh, what does that mean, Chris? It means that uh, I make a few maps. You make a few maps? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down with the, tech, uh, the, the kind of the mapping side of things. So you're conveying information through pictorial form? Well, if you want to put it that way, then yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I'm Mark Thompson, and this week I've also been a wearographer, but usually I'm more of a wearologist. Yeah, true. Uh, talking about the technology, but this week um, I've been trying to help facilitate, there we go, that's the best word, facilitate um, some icons for maps representing agricultural activities. Uh, and that would be because you work for an organisation that's... Um agricultural in nature now talking of uh, of where we work you'd, you'd probably like to keep your job right yes I, I do actually like my job excellent so do I <laughs> well yeah so we'd like to keep them so uh, the views and opinions in this podcast are entirely our own and often for satirical uh, comment or comedic purposes even though that's that's not even uh, always <laughs> obvious but they definitely are sometimes the jokes aren't um yeah, and as funny as they should be, maybe. And sometimes they'll laugh out loud. Uh, sometimes. Um, so how's your week been? Uh, you've been doing icons. What else? Yeah. Uh, mapping icons and project planning. Cool, and I hear you're in a band. Uh, I am in a band. I'm in a work band. You're in a couple of bands, really, aren't you? Uh, not only one at the moment. Oh, OK. Um, so, yeah, I'm in a, a work band doing pub songs, I suppose you'd call it. Uh, do you want to play us something now? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, I don't. But uh, we've got our first gig in about four weeks, so uh, it's coming together. And you're the, the drummer in the band, so you're the uh, the thoughtful one, right? The thoughtful one. Which yeah. drummer are you thinking about that's thoughtful? I'm not sure. Because mm. usually there's Ringo Starr who was there for his personality, uh, which I'm not. Um, and then there's not, Keith geez. Moon... He was there because he was completely mad and very skilled, um, which I'm you, not you, either oh. of. Oh, well, um, are you just in the band because you're the only one who can play the drums? Maybe? Well, no, there is another drummer as well. Um, 
I'm definitely not Phil Collins because I don't really want to sing. Okay, anyway, you're in a band. You're playing pop band. songs. Uh, yeah, your first it's good gigs. fun. Yeah, um, it's an in- interesting leveler because on uh, rhythm guitar we have the CEO, mm-hmm. um, and on bass guitar we have one of the guys in the factory who helps pack fertilizer into bags. That's pretty cool. Who's your vocalist? Uh, we've got two guys from the factory, oh, mm. man and woman. Um, they do different aspects in the factories. Okay, but yeah, cool. it's it's quite interesting and it's quite good fun. Well, uh, maybe uh, yeah, in a few podcast time, you know, we can we can play a little um, section of your your music. Sure, um, I'll record it for you. <laughs> Excellent. And what about you, Chris? What were you up to this weekend? Uh, well, it was uh, it was Mother's Day, so um, I went on a boys' weekend with um, about four mates, <laughs> and uh, you know, spot of drinking, spot of fishing, spot of you know, sport speaking absolute rubbish about nothing. Right, so just just to correct that impression you gave last the other podcasts when we were talking about Easter and you'd brought your wife a lovely um, chocolate thing with earrings inside it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just wanted to contrast that with I've gone away from Mother's Day. Well, I was back for the Sunday mostly. Sunday evening. Um, lunchtime. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, then you, then you slept all afternoon because you were no, so no, tired. No, 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 maybe. <laughs> so, what's on this week's podcast? We have some news, uh, as as we always do. We have uh, topic of the week, and this week we are um, focusing on um, smart cities, um, which is a it's a very interesting topic. Um, so, we've been looking into that. We've been doing some research, but there's a lot more research to do, isn't there? Well. Yeah, smart cities is one of those concepts like an internet of things, mm. um, and it means different people to different different, different things, things to different people. Yeah, um, and now what we really do like is uh, listener participation. Oh, we'd love uh, people to write in, to get in contact, leave us a voicemail. Yeah, um, get us on the Twitter. Uh, that would be uh, my you adorable or um, they could hit us up on facebook uh, which is uh, facebook.com slash adorable yeah or email us on gmail on gmail yes which is geodorable at gmail.com any of those ways get in touch uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts yeah especially about topics of the week or just general abuse so <laughs> with that let's move on to uh, spatial news spatial news Chris. Mm. So, uh, our first topic. Uh, it's perhaps been around for a little bit, but um, people may not be aware of it. Uh, maps.esri.com. That's maps.esri.com. Um, it's a, uh, a collection of all the uh, the web demos you may have seen by uh, Esri. It's their research projects. It's uh, things people have built at the weekend. Um, there's a few games in there. There's stuff on remote sensing. There's hotspots. There's a bunch of practical... Yeah, it's... Um, 3D stuff, 2D stuff. Um, yeah, so really interesting. If you've seen those threads or those demos that Esri like to off we've been looking for what, what, what could I actually do with this map thing this is a really good place to come it is um, I said there's about 54 demos so it gives you a really good insight into um, 
the kind of uh, things that um, Esri are playing with. And not everything is going to make it into uh, the finished product, but you know they just give you a good idea of what you can do with uh, with some of the Esri tech. Um, my favourite was the uh, the flight sim application. Is that because you want to be a pilot? I don't know actually. Um, I just think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm, what about yourself? I like um, heat maps. Oh yeah, of course. Always keen on heat maps, um, but also the uh, solar eclipse 2D and 3D. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is nice. That is nice. Yeah, so good representation of data. Interesting ways to show data. Um, I suppose they're almost infographics. Some yep. of them. Yep. Um, but all based on the Esri technology, so it's not using too weird and wacky stuff. What I quite like is, um, you know, th- this figure of kind of 27% of profit um, is powered, is you know, played back into uh, R&D, and you know, I'm sure they do lots of things, but this kind of gives you a good idea of the kind of uh, things that Esri may be looking at uh, from a, I guess, maybe a more uh, fun perspective. Yeah, good, good show off of stuff. So um, yeah, check that out. That's uh, maps.esri.com. We'll post it on um, Twitter and Facebook. Oh. <laughs> yes, we will. Twitter and Facebook. Um, sorry, sorry, just got very uh, distracted. Uh, um, yes. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well. Shall we move on to the next item? Let's try. Spatial news. Now, Chris, I could tell by that little uh, <laughs> interlude we had there. You're mm-hmm. a bit stressed at the moment. Oh, a tiny bit. Uh, unexpected visitor uh, okay. in the uh, in the recording studio. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so would you know? Would you believe that there's a map for that? Oh, nice segue, Mark. Um, but it's not actually about human stress. It's about stress on the Earth's crust from volcanic activity. Volcanic. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, or seismic activity, shall yep. we say. Yep. Uh, so this is from the um, World Stress World Stress Map Project. Oh, yeah. And what it is is a collection of information, um, all to do with how much pressure there is around the world on the Earth's crust. So this is looking at things like um, fault lines and, uh, and other kind of seismic activities, I guess. Yeah. Well, and seismic activities, lots of readings from all around the world. What's really interesting, or I suppose pretty obvious, is that uh, the Ring of Pacific Ring of Fire, which is the uh, all the way around the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. um, is highly, highly stressed. Um, uh, and of course, yeah. that runs straight through New Zealand. See, what I liked about this data source is one, it, it is a great data source. It's something you can just download and, and start to use straight away. Um, and and it's, what, what, what's nice about it is that, um, yeah, sure, you can go to GNS and you can get some data for New Zealand. But this is a great kind of visual tool for understanding, you know, things like the Ring of Fire, um, looking at, you know, uh, um, the fr- uh, uh, I have to get the words right, thrusting fault lines, you know, in... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. In uh, in the Himalayas uh, and so forth, and what they've done is they've t- taken all these data sets and they've made uh, a common um, kind of standard across them. So it doesn't matter where you are on the globe, uh, you can you can use that these uh, the same data. Yeah, and we love data that's open, and this data is open. Uh, yeah, I think it's be great for a school. 
you know yeah, if you, if you, yeah. so um again go to uh what is it uh world-stress-map.org um, and have a look yourself yeah that's great spatial news now chris you were talking before about uh your love of flight simulators mm-hmm um, and you may be familiar with the website flightradar24.com. I am. Um, I have the app on my phone. It's uh, it's really what handy. What what do you do with the app? Well, so if uh, if I'm uh, with the kids, or even if I'm not with the kids, let's be honest, uh, and I see a uh, a plane flying <laughs> when you're overhead, sitting at the airport by yourself. No, no, no. We're just you know in the garden or whatever else, and you, and you see a plane flying overhead, and you ask yourself, I wonder where that's going. You can hold the app up, and it, it's a bit like a, a AR kind of tool, and it will tell you what that plane is, and then you can go and find details about it and where it's going. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I live in a um I don't know, semi-rural city, so the planes are either going to Auckland or Wellington. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so it's not that interesting, but that could be quite interesting uh, if you lived in a more international city. It could. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, but that's not really what you're here to uh, talk about, is it? No. So a Flight Radar 24 shows, the, uh, shows a world map with plane locations on it, which is basically live from the, um, from the feeds from the plane. Yep. Um, but what they have done is used an open source map product called Cesium. Which I know you like very much. I do like Cesium, especially for this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it allows you to view the plane as it is flying over the Earth. In 3D. In 3D. That and is pretty cool. It's a DEM 3D, so you can actually see the terrain. And I know... You were watching a plane come into Auckland, Chris, on this. Uh, yeah, I have to admit, um, the other uh, the other night I sat and I, I didn't fly all the way because that would be quite boring. But um, it I is did. In real time. It is in real time. But um, I, yeah, I flew into Auckland uh, from Christchurch, uh, and it was really interesting to see, you know, kind of what the pilot sees as opposed to what you see when you just look out the window. Yeah, and the um, interesting one is because it's live data, you can actually see the planes. Um, turn and bank and descend and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so in areas where like Wellington where they're moving all over the place. Yep. Uh, you could actually see some really interesting um, movements from the plane. Very cool. Um, we all uh, enjoy flying into Wellington. It's such a relaxing uh, flight. Ah uh, yes, so relaxing. Mm. Um, yeah, cool so and um, yeah, check that out. We'll uh, we'll post a few pictures of it on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, that's excellent. Spatial news. I uh, now speaking of three D uh, simulators representations. Mm, kind of. So when we uh, when we first started trying to record uh, this podcast, it was uh, kind of a week earlier, and therefore May the Fourth, or Star Wars Day as it is known internationally, was a little bit more topical. Um, it was. <laughs> but, and did you, know, you celebrate Star Wars Day, Chris? Well, how did I celebrate it? I celebrated it by going to look at this City Engine viewer, um, which is. Uh, I don't know. It it represents the uh, real in inverted commas. Um, Star Wars Galaxy, so you can kind of check out Tatooine and Hoth and, and see how close they are to uh, the other Star. planets. And the Death Star, yeah, how, see how close they are to uh, other planets in the system. Yeah, so this has been made up by um, the guys at Jejo. Yep. 
and uh, yeah, they've put in the whole Star Wars galaxy into uh, City Engine. City Engine? No. Yes. See? Yep. Um, so it allows you to, yeah, see the world from the Star Wars point of view. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I do like the stuff that G.H.O. are coming out with. They're, they're pretty cool uh, guys over there. Yeah, they're, they're definitely leading the um, Esri partner charge, a small partner charge. Yeah, I think so. Now, um, I know you want to do your uh, your joke. Ah, so, well, <laughs> now you've built it up. It's going to yeah. be hilarious. Uh, well. um, so, as you, well, as you may or may not know, in my family tr- tradition, on Star Wars Day, we always watch one of the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this year we watched number seven. Okay, cool. Uh, Force Awakens. Um, yep. That's all right. It's a good movie. Um, but Chris, do you know what movie, what Star Wars movie you should watch on uh, the fifth of no, of May? Uh, the Star Wars Day. What? The day no, the I don't. Day. I mean, obviously I do because I've heard this joke before. But no, for the sake of the listeners, no, no, Mark, no. I don't. Ah, it should be Revenge of the Fifth. <laughs> oh, the Thank hilarity. you, I'm here all week. Try the veal. <laughs> and with that... Spatial news. Now this is a bit of you, Chris. Yeah, I am a, a bit of a sucker for uh, reading a, a story in the Herald and then getting sucked into the uh, clickbait stories underneath. You mean and, the, um, um, the, the story that they've literally copied and pasted from, I don't know, news.com or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has also gleaned it from some other normal web, uh, news website. That exact, yes. So um, I'm not saying this was clickbait, but it's that kind of thing. Um, but it's actually from The Guardian, right? So it, it, it must be, you know, at least... Is it to do with some celebrity who doesn't like New Zealand? No, no, no. So... Um, this is so it's a bunch of uh, really high quality images that have been captured by a drone but the thing that kind of makes them stand out is the symmetry that they've captured in the image Um, and so you you basically have these really beautiful uh, images and you have symmetry and you have drones so you know what's not to like there's only about sort of you know eight or nine uh, nine photos Um, But it's drone. I mean, always appreciated a good aerial photo. Mm-hmm. Um, but these seem more specific, so they're, they're actually trying to be artistic in their capture. I guess artistic is a good way of describing them. Yeah, and they are quite interesting. And as we know, the view from above is quite an interesting perspective because we don't uh, yeah. see it that often. So um, it's worth checking out. You know, if you've got a, a spare fifteen minutes over lunch, then um, have a look. We'll uh, post it on. Um, some links up on Facebook. Yeah, and Twitter. Yeah. Spatial news. Now I love this, but um, I'm going to uh, sit back and uh, hand you the mic, um, metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically speaking. And uh, and let you talk a little bit about uh, the Zeb One. The Zeb One. The Zeb One's not new, and it's also not some sort of spaceship or something off Magic Roundabout. I could have sworn it was. Um, but it's actually uh, it's something Egon, Spe- yeah, Egon uh, Spengler would use. That's what I think, anyway. Yeah, okay. Um, so this is just a handheld terrestrial LiDAR capture device. It's been around for a while, um, but I thought we'd just bring it up again because it's always interesting um, seeing what you can do. So it's a little device. It's like a microphone with a spring in between it. It sort of wobbles. 
um, as it throws out laser points to click, to click data. Um, and you carry it, you walk with it in your hand and you have a backpack. Um, and it allows you just to walk around and capture the terrestrial lighter for locations. Now you're being a little bit, um, I don't know, it's been around for a while, it's this, it's that. It's cool, man. It's awesome. Like, um, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen it before. Uh, I always Have thought you? for this kind of, no, I always thought for this kind of thing, you, you know, you'd, you'd need a fully qualified kind of engineer type person to, to be able no, to no. capture the symmetry. <laughs> But not, not, not to detract from the people who do use it, <laughs> but following the instructions, is, it's it's quite nearly as simple as turn it on and walk. Yeah, and and, and that I have to admit is is what surprised me. I'm not quite sure why, but um, I was yeah really pleasantly surprised at how easy it looked to capture um, you know interior scans and and so forth, and and how good the results looked. Yeah, we've, um, we've actually had a trial of this at work, and it looked quite good because um, we're doing internal um, scanning yep. to try and understand stockpiles. Um, okay. And yeah, it, it was quite useful. Very cool. Um, it, yeah, we there's a bit of processing, so what this is really, really good at is capturing data. Yep. Um, and then you can kind of process it. Now, it's got an interesting licensing model in that you actually buy credits for processing. Where have we heard that before, Mark? Uh, I don't know, Chris. Hmm. <laughs> but you buy the hardware and then you buy the processing credits. Okay. Um, but it is pretty simple to use. And so once you've got it processed, then you can start doing extractions and um, more creating your 3D models. Okay. Now, um, I saw there's uh, a few good videos on their website. Maybe we'll uh, we'll post links to those, um, yeah. so you can check it out yourself. You can just Google Zeb One, Z E B One. There we go. Cool. And uh, what else have we got to mention? Um, so it's the uh, a few conferences uh, coming up. I think there's there's one being going on this week. So yeah, the, that's the one we mentioned the other week. The uh Oh, Indigenous, Indigenous uh, people conference that that's yeah. going on at the moment. I've seen a few posts on that on um, on Facebook. Um, and coming up uh, in a few weeks is the um, the Al Jim Al Gim uh, GIS conference. Yes, um, that's in Wellington. You're going to this one, Chris? I'm not personally, but not, um, sorry. companies attending. Yeah, companies attending. You're presenting. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're going along to the Elgin Conference, GIS Conference, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get a uh, mole on the inside. <laughs> Maybe a report on a bit of GIS fashion. Yeah, it'd be, uh, be interesting to know how the uh, local government GISs um, get on. Yeah, and then of course in July you've got the uh, ESRI User Conference. Yeah, in San Diego. Um, I'm going this year. Uh, yeah, I know. I haven't been, and I worked this out. I haven't been in about nine years. That's um, a long time. You're not that old. I know. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's an interesting, exciting event. It really does make you uh, love Esri. Yeah, I'm going to be unbearable when I get back. <laughs> or what's worse, you're going to get a new Mapman T-shirt. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe not. Don't know. <laughs> I'm going to get a Science of Wear T-shirt. Science of Wear. 
you think they'll have our wearologist by then? Um, I'm going to be wearing a t-shirt with it on, so I would have thought so. That's a really good idea. Mm. Right, well, that was our uh, special news. It was. Um, so, um, let's move on. Topic of the week. We're waiting for the jingle. Uh, it's coming, it's coming. Topic of the week. Topic of the week, Chris. This is exciting. High energy, feel that burn. Um, <laughs> okay, so this week it's about smart cities. It is, and uh, we were a little inspired by uh, Wellington City Council. Um, they uh, they won the Special Excellence Award in uh, in New Zealand. Uh, so late last year. But. Yep, late last year. <laughs> and then um, they went and cleaned up at the uh, Australasian Special Excellence Awards. Yes, they did. Um, so I think they took out the, the grand prize, didn't they? I think they did as well. But so the um, um, interesting thing is, what is a smart city? Because it's been around for a little while. It has. Um, but actually, we've done some research. Surprising, but true. And it's been around since 1970s. Yeah, so this, this was really interesting. Um, so uh, kind of the, the birth, and it, and it is difficult to kind of, you know, exactly <laughs> pinpoint when it happened, yeah, you know. Um, but uh, it looks as though that um, the Community Analysis Bureau in, in Los Angeles was kind of, the, you know, the first... I don't know, the first council group to, to use computer databases, um, analysis, uh, aerial photography, um, data capture, um, to, to start producing reports on, on neighbourhood demographics. Um, yeah. And, 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 well, they had social outcomes, which is really interesting. Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably come back to this point, but they were doing um, housing quality, direct resources to ward off light. Um, yep. I mean, fruits, flies, etc., and also tackle poverty. Yeah, it really were um, kind of pushing the boundaries of. of so this is mid 19, uh, 1970s. So, you know, uh, I was born then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is quite a while ago. You know, puts it in perspective. Um, there is, uh, and we'll put a link up to it. There is a fantastic map that. Um, that we found uh, when researching this. Uh, in fact, there's a great article that, that kind of talks about the history of big data in the smart city um, in, in Los Angeles in particular. But it's a fantastic map that kind of, uh, I don't know, it really reminded me of, of maps of uh, maps of old, um, you know, the, the kind of the use of pastel colors and so maps forth. Maps of the old time. Ye oldy, uh, yeah, ye, ye oldy mappy. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to that. But um, so yeah, then they grew. Like the 80s continued, obviously with the personal computer growth. Yep, it would have been a bit more uh, smart cities, and then we've sort of got to where we are today. So you wouldn't actually say masses of mass jump in application. Now I think I think what we've seen is there's been a, a yeah a continual growth, right? You know, it, it it's kind of on an upwards trajectory. But what we've also seen uh, in recent times is the rapid growth in technology, and I think yeah. particular things like you know the Internet of Things, sensors, smartphones, um, yeah, smartphone apps, you know, those kind of things have, have meant that over the last few years there's been a, a rapid growth, I think, in, in the use of smart technology within the smart city community. So, Chris, what is a smart city? I'm so glad you asked, Mark, because. Well, quite frankly, it's 
really difficult to answer that question it's so because difficult. there are so many definitions um wikipedia yeah, wiki- should we do that wikipedia yeah wikipedia is the answer to everything so wikipedia says uh, a smart city is an urban development vision I see an urban development vision. It's not even a thing, it's a vision. Uh, to integrate information and communication technology and the Internet of Things in a secure fashion to manage a city's assets. So when researching this, the amount of buzzword bingo you can play... Oh, yeah. Are ...just amazing. And, and that it really becomes hard to find a definition or a really good example of what is a smart city because everyone has aspects of smart city (laughs) and it depends also why you're being a smart city so something like Singapore is being a smart nation and a smart city because they're quite small whereas something like Wellington the nation not the people in general oh they're a bit short my son was as tall as some of them Hmm. Um, (laughs) but um, where something is Wellington is really focused on what Wellington City Council is trying to do rather than what Wellington wants to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. And I think it's a really interesting um, dichotomy there between what a smart city can do for the citizen and what a smart city can do for the council or the, the, you know, the organising yeah. body. And you do kind of see that different there are have been different approaches in different cities um you know so so in europe you know europe seemed to be uh, a, a yeah, hotbed way ahead of, yeah so uh, we were just looking so amsterdam barcelona dublin madrid manchester milton Keynes, stockholm to name but a few are all described as smart cities now again as we were just discussing the level of you know smartness the the definition of smartness is going to be different in each one of those cities but you know um, they've got some they've got some constants in them yep um and so one of them is connectivity um and that is fiber broadband wi-fi etc so Uh good networks of communication yep um another one is information is available and this is this is an interesting one. Um, so they actually capture information and make it available for use by people. So they don't capture information for their own use. They capture information for the use um, available to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, connected citizens. And this is really, really, really obvious in Singapore. Yep. Um, where everyone is on their phone. And I mean, everybody's on their phone all the time. I'm yeah. surprised there aren't more kind of, you know collisions on the subway <laughs> yeah, between people because nobody is looking where they're going. They are well, just looking at their phone. There's lots of phone zombies. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Anyway. Which is always interesting, dodging the phone zombies and you pop the tri- behind a few more, you know, they walk in a row, sort of like the walking dead type thing. Yep. Um, but the other aspect that's interesting is creativity, social cap- capital. And okay. this is a really, really hard thing to define. Yeah, but it, it sort of harps back to what they were trying to do in the 70s is instead of trying to focus on a task like we're trying to monitor traffic flow what they're actually doing is trying to create or contribute to an environment where everyone's understanding what traffic flow means for them interesting Does yeah makes sense yeah yeah so it's it's a creative area um with without one specific objective i.e traffic flow um 
And we've obviously talked a bit about the ex um, examples, smart meters. You've all heard of smart meters. Um, but trying to use smart meters not just collect data, because that's just data recording, but publishing data, allowing people to interact with data. Um, I mean, what's interesting over here, and, and I think this is where you know perhaps there needs to be more of a government-led approach to smart cities but you know if we take smart meters in this example you would have thought the most ideal people to have access to the smart meters are the distribution companies but unfortunately the distribu distribution companies aren't the companies that install the smart, me smart meters and therefore they don't have access to the smart meters yeah uh, which um, is which kind of a, a ridiculous situation to be in and if also you're trying to encourage innovation, yeah, um, then sitting on the data in a silo isn't really that helpful. Um, there's lots of, I was reading Wellington's uh, traffic monitoring, they're hoping to publish their data, mm -hmm. um, make it available. So it'll be interesting to see, they said that a year ago. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether the, how they do that in what format and then what people will actually start doing with it. Well, it was interesting, so at the, um, it was uh, Tech Week, well, not last week as we thought, the week before, <laughs> uh, and um, I went into a, uh, a presentation by um, Sean O'Dain, the, the guy who uh, is kind of, you know, most closely linked to the Live Labs project for Wellington City Council, and he stated there that, you know, yes, they've got this data, yes, they want to make it um, available, but one of the things they need to do first is to ensure that what they have is accurate, so when they publish it, people aren't questioning it uh, or, or making decisions um, based on, on poor quality data, and I kind of understand that, but uh, I also uh, have to admit, I if you put enough caveats around stuff, it's easy to put it out there, you know, yeah. and I think if you wait for something to be perfect, you're never going to release it. Well, yeah, and then you're also boxing it. And, yeah, um, yeah. Boxing information, is, it's kind of, I don't know, a bit past. You know, mm -hmm. let the inf information grow and live. Yep, I uh, completely agree. Yeah, so shall we quickly go through some smart city examples? Uh, if you would like, yeah, sure. Um, so you mentioned Amsterdam. Amsterdam's doing lots and lots of connectivity thingies. Okay, yeah. Um, so one of their examples is you can lease out your parking space. Um, <laughs> and you're like, well, how, what, what do you mean Amsterdam, city of Amsterdam's letting you lease out? So if you have a parking space you're not using, you can lease it out and people will come and use it and they'll pay you for it. Okay. Um, but what that also means is that information about traffic flow then gets used to understand how um, traffic congestion and traffic flow is going in the city. Okay, smart. Yeah. Uh, do you have any examples from Barcelona, Chris? Barcelona, um, yeah, so uh, they called it the City OS strategy. Yeah. Uh, which is quite nice, quite like that. Quite geeky. Um, and um, one of the examples they've got there, which <laughs> which I really like actually uh, is they had real-time sensors that were feeding um, the gardening crews the water level of um, plants which would then enable those those crews to plan their um, plan their kind of routes through the city um, you know that day making sure that they're actually getting to the plants that need the water being able to water them and then you know uh, making the city look you know 
more beautiful. Barcelona is pretty cool. Um, but you know, what a great way of, of using technology just to, to make people's lives easier. Yeah, there's also a number of um, cities are using uh, traffic monitoring to talk about how to do green lights. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to, I'm trying to remember where it was, who were using it to then create their bus routes. Oh, right, yeah. They were okay. saying, well, this is where most of the traffic's flowing, so therefore this is where we focus the best bus services. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, I said green light technology. You've heard of the green wave. Well, you would have, Chris, in your industry. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever seen it happen? Um, sometimes, but I often doubt its existence. <laughs> So for those who don't know, the green wave is 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 simply uh, the phasing of the traffic lights that means that you get green all the way yeah. um, uh, as, you, as you're moving through a, through a road. So in theory, if, if 20 cars are let off when the lights turn green and it's a straight piece of road and you're not turning off, then those 20, light, 20 cars should just flow all the way down and not have to yeah. stop. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure it's happening because traffic's coming from all directions maybe. Anyway... Um, Dublin, I think Dublin's a great example of where it's it's citizen engagement, it's citizen focused. Um, so they have a platform um, uh, that they call Dublinked, Dublin linked, Dublinked, uh, Do you which have to is say that with an insulting Irish accent. No, I don't. Uh, which is which is their open data platform, which you know all of the information they're being cap- they're captured is made open source. To uh, to you know to to enable other people to build smart city applications. Yeah, that's um, quite similar to Singapore in many ways, right? Well, yeah, Singapore not quite publishing data, but they've got a heap of apps that they're busy yeah. creating. Yeah. Um, that allow you to do lots of things, um, including I mean we used it quite a lot is finding out when the bus is due. Yeah. Um, and so you could work out which route you're going and what was your fastest trip by the bus, and this is all. Again, it's that connectivity, and everyone's got a phone, and um, yeah, it's all connectivity, but all connected. The other th- interesting thing Singapore does is actually have tenders for innovation. Uh, okay. So if you go to uh, the Smart Cities, um, uh, smartnation.sg, yep. um, there's actually an opportunities website. Um, so they've got... Uh, RFI for applying for self-driving vehicles, enabling innovation grant, call for proposals to develop smart metering trials, smart streetlights. They've really got a heap of um, budget and that, it's a, for, for proposals. And I've, um, I've been to a few of their presentations where they talk about this stuff. And yeah. they really are blue sky thinking. Um, yep. There's actually one whole grant that you have to be... Singapore company under like 10 employees um, and wanting to spend less than $80,000 on your innovation. So so really promoting that kind of uh, startup company mentality. Yeah. 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 Really, really encourage um, startups, innovation, that sort of thing. And they've got the whole platform you can go and use it. Well, I think uh, everybody should, you know, go and check out smartnation.sg. Um, it's it's such a great website to kind of give you multiple examples about you know how you can use technology, Internet of Things, to actually enable uh, the citizens of, of Singapore. I think it's, it's a really nice website. Yeah. So I think in summary, um, smart cities are meant to be about proactivity. I think so. I mean, that you've got to 
you've got to provide the base network of ability to things to talk to each other. Yep. And I think I think what what I I did pick up from the uh, the Tech Week talk was that you know Wellington is trying to do that. Um, you know, but by partnering with NEC, it's got access to um, you know a whole bunch of smart technologies. And you know, it is quite interesting how you know some of these larger companies like NEC, like uh, IBM, have, have got on that smart cities. I'm going to use the word bandwagon, but you know, they've yeah. got on that kind of that story that community and have started developing systems for it and it matches the internet of things the big data yeah the smart algorithms etc um, so yeah New Zealand making small steps at the moment yeah, it is you know I think trials uh, going on but they're more specific and targeted they're not quite open um, but you've got to start somewhere you do and I, and I like what Wellington's doing I think it you know it, it is on quite a small scale um, but you know they they've got a whole bunch of sensors they're looking at traffic they're looking at one of the things that um, Sean talked about was uh, they've got a, a microphone that um, they have uh, tailored to listen out for breaking glass you know, breaking glass is dangerous right so they hear breaking glass they can then direct a, 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 you know a road cleaner to that location and and clean the grass the glass up really quickly yeah what a, what a great kind of use of, of technology um, they've tried a few other things they've looked at uh, are they able to identify graffiti based on the emissions from um, a, a spray can um, they talked about and it was rather disgusting but um, uh, a vomit application so they could you know if somebody throws up then they uh, they've got smart noses that are testing for uh, a particular um, acid I can't quite remember what he said you know if, and if it senses that again they can send cleaners around to sort it out yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, lots of smart cities. I think watch the space. I think smart cities might be overtaken by smart workplaces. Oh, interesting. Okay, um, yeah. And that, you know, I know we're looking at some stuff, but but Internet of Things is really opening up um, smart innovations. Yeah. Where you're trying to predict, you're trying to react fast um, and learn fast from all, all the information you're gathering. So we'll post some links up to smart cities yep and we would really love your feedback we would uh, so send us an email um, jump on Facebook jump on Twitter um, yeah uh, get involved yeah right Chris with that it's time for another round of uh, export to shapefile export to shapefile export to shapefile now here's a question Chris uh, yep are you planning to compete at any export to shapefile events while you're in the ESRI UC? I mean, what a question. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel, you know, I can't beat you on a regular basis. I've got <laughs> no hope, unless they've got a real kind of junior level. Well, there, there, there is like an all-comers. There is, I know, but um, uh, I don't but know. We'll, it's always we'll hard see. to pitch yourself, isn't it? You're like, should I go in easy and then, you know, you don't really get the competition or you go in hard and you just get slammed. And, no, um, I'm, I'm going for easy. That's <laughs> why so I play you. <laughs> yeah, and that works out well. Mm, sometimes. Um, so this is a game where you try and negotiate the uh, ArcGIS toolbox. Uh, you do. We always use a, a set um, of standard rules just for, for, for this game, but there's a whole bunch of uh, different rules out there. But basically you're, you're trying to... Uh, it's a bit like chess, a bit like uh, poker, a bit like, you know... 
Um, yeah, but like uh, bridge the card game. Yeah, you, you're um, trying to manoeuvre your opponent yeah. in a way that uh, reduces their opportunity to, to counteract yeah. your moves, I guess. And basically, at the end of the it, um, you should after well, we play seven rounds. Um, you've either drawn or you've boxed someone into a corner and their only option is to export to shapefile which is the most basic moves in all of ArcGIS uh, indeed so um, that is export to shapefile and without further ado uh, shall we start yes let's start uh, whose turn is it to start um, maybe mine maybe yours maybe mine mm. <laughs> We should have planned this one out. We should have done. Uh, I'll start just because um, I've got a move in mind. Uh, right, layer three. Well, I have been thinking a little bit. Uh, layer three D to feature class. Layer Starting 3D in the uh, feature class. Yeah, three D analyst toolset. That sounds like quite an exciting tool. Yeah. What what type of layer is it coming from? Um, well, I'm, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's coming from a 3D layer because that that's what the uh, the name would suggest. Um, it's uh, yeah, 3D symbols to points, 3D ah. um, symbols you can assign to lines, extrusion to polygons, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, good choice. Um, okay. I wasn't expecting you to be that progressive with your first move. Hey, it's um, smart cities. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go for create random raster. From the uh, spatial analysis toolbox. Oh, create random raster. Yeah. Okay. Interesting choice. Yeah. Um, okay. Now uh, I'm going to I'm going to deploy a technique here. I'm, I'm letting the listeners know into my let, let, let you know understand my thoughts here. Mark, if you could not listen for the next couple of seconds. Uh, so uh, I'm going to try uh, a, a particular approach. Um, it's a defensive um, uh, approach that, that kind of balances, uh, you know, being cautious with attack, I guess. Um, so I'm going to go with um, a raster domain. Raster domain. Oh, can I listen now? Yeah, sorry. Raster <laughs> domain. Ah, okay. Ah, uh, keeping it raster, man. Terrible. Was that your Irish accent familiar? No, that was oh. my Jamaican. Yeah, I think you should keep it to yourself. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, topo to raster by file. Oh, flip. Um, still sticking in that spatial analyst. Interesting. Yes. Let's see if I can uh, I can get you out of it. Um, set last class codes using features. There's a tool you don't use that often. <laughs> no. Yeah, interesting uh, tool choice. Quite intriguing. Mm. Um, I'll go for create routes or routes, as you need to say in America. See, I told you I'd get you out of spatial analyst. Yeah, or I could have just jumped by myself. Um, compress. Compressed your database. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So I'll go for a trim line. Man, you're jumping all over the place. Um, delete rows. It's the helter skelter approach. Okay, then we'll bring it back to the beginning and make raster layer mon. 
Oh dear. Because that uh, joke is not funny the first time. I, 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 delete Rose. Ooh. Okay. Uh, ooh, jumping again. Calculate default XY tolerance. Data management. Um, mm, interesting. Um, okay, let's box you in a little bit more. Uh, disable attachments. Disable attachments. <laughs> okay. You've gone simple then, and I'll go complex intersect 3D. Trying to move into 3D. I think I'll stop you there. Um, Darcy velocity. You love these. Um, I'm a bit of a big fan of Darcy Flow, but Darcy Velocity will work for me. Yeah, you love these sort of named after someone tools. Well, obviously, this was named after. Um, uh, oh, I can't even remember now. Sorry. <laughs> Not Mr. Darcy from the uh, uh, Jane Austen. I think it probably is. Okay. Um, I think I will go for uh, um, I think I'll go for export to shapefile. Oh, there we go. Uh, you were jumping around quite a lot there, you know. That was kind of working. Hmm, kind of wasn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, I could I can improve on that. Well, I mean, yeah, this uh, this is looking good for my conquering of uh, the UC. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so that was the podcast, Chris. Do we have some summary music? Um, no, not really. We just have to have to talk about it, say how good we were. Thank we were the great, listeners. Our we listeners were also excellent. Yeah, I particularly liked um, that guy in the third row, um, towards the back. I thought he was great. Uh, the way he listened intently. Yeah, he's brilliant. That, uh, that, that man in the red shirt, he was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and I thought the uh, the lady with the blonde hair, um, <laughs> very intense, I thought. Very intense. Some good questions. Yeah. Yeah, so if you'd like to get in touch with us, please uh, contact us on uh, Twitter. My Geodorable. Facebook. Facebook.com slash Geodorable. Or email us, geodorable at gmail.com. Uh, and with that, um, thank you for listening. Uh, we've appreciated yes. your time. Yes, and we have. And we'll uh, speak to you next week. Cool. <laughs>